0: This is Mike Corey from ESPN, and you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates.
1: You're watching the Inside Slant on the Sports Objective Podcast. Over the next hour plus, the guys will be joined by play by play voices, beat writers, and other analysts from around the nation as they preview this weekend's college football action. Let us hear from you throughout the show via Facebook Live, on our YouTube channel, or on Twitter at the Sports OBJ. Now, here are the guys.
2: Welcome into the inside slant here on the Sports Objective. We're getting ready for another great college football season with me right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Kyle from Lagrange Barber, how are you, man? I
3: think you mean another great college football week, but uh yeah, I'm doing good, Dave. How about you?
2: Very excited. Bubba Rosenbaum, how are you? Doing well, guys. Hope y'all are. Yeah, Bubba, we're very excited. A lot of great guests on tonight. And uh this this guy's been with us for pretty much the entire time we've been on the last two and a half years, and uh, great to have him on again. Yeah, big matchup this weekend,
1: um, between Cincinnati and Army taking place at Nippert Stadium. And Welcome in from the Bearcat Journal, Chad
4: Brindle. How's it going, fellas? Good to be back.
3: Absolutely, Chad. This uh, this game's got a little bit, uh, a Glad little bit of um, a big
4: matchup uh,
3: stage to it, and, and more national spotlight than the old Cincinnati Army Conference USA days.
4: Yeah, back when Army couldn't win a game.
3: Yeah. Just a little bit more attention to this one.
4: Yeah. And uh, and it's, it was crazy too, because it came together in like five minutes. Like literally we had, um, the athletic director released a statement on something, uh, and then towards the end of the, it was, you know, the, the, ticketing policies and everything. And towards the end of the statement, he, he said, you know, we're, we're not scheduling any additional games. Uh, and then 36 hours later, there was an announcement that they were playing Army. Uh, that's how fast Army reached out to Luke Fickle and said, you know, we've, we've got an open date. You've got an open date. You want to do this? And Luke Fickle is not the type to uh, to turn down a game. So he said absolutely. And within 36 hours, they had a, uh, a home and home series drawn up. And uh, I, I don't think they expected Army to be a, a top 25 team when they came into Nippert Stadium. But uh, they've looked very good. It, it's been against two. Uh, questionable opponents, but Army has looked good uh, up to this point.
1: Yep. Yeah, taking a look at um, just generally speaking, uh, what Luke Fickle has built there in Cincinnati, uh, and just just talk about the the program on the
4: whole, and uh, just where things are where things are headed. Well, I mean, it's you know he's a he's a Jim Trestle disciple, so it's built on defense, ball control. Um, you know, offensive and defensive line driven, uh, very much. And you know, they're gonna they're gonna run the football. They're gonna be aggressive defensively. They're gonna run a lot of guys at you. I think that's the big thing, uh, the biggest difference in this year's version, as opposed to you know the previous first three years of Luke Fickle is he's finally really started to get that depth into place, um, and, and he's kind of got a system right now of one uh, A and one B guys where. Uh, they rotate pretty freely on both sides of the ball and they played almost 80 guys uh, against Austin P and that you know that that's that's abnormally high because it was a forty eight to six game in the fourth quarter, but they're looking to play 20 25 guys on each side of the ball every week. so uh, the the depth is is the big difference. Now we get to find out though, you know they lost two leaders in at the linebacker and Brian Young and Perry Wright. Brian, yeah, Brian Wright and Perry Young, sorry. And then Mike Warren and Josiah Deguara. Warren uh, on the practice squad with the Eagles. Josiah Deguara, uh, a a pretty important piece already in his first year with the Green Bay Packers. So seeing how they replace those four guys is going to be key. But other than that, 17 returning starters on offense and defense, those really are the only guys they lost last year.
3: You look at Army, uh, obviously Coach Munkin, done a great job uh, turning that program around. And uh, anytime you take on one of the academies, you always know they're going to run some sort of option offense, be it, be it the triple option, wishbone, flexible, whatever. Uh, how do you think uh, Cincinnati always has a really good defense, always good against the run? How do you guys think uh, – how do you think your guys match up against the uh, the option offense army?
4: Pretty good. I mean, you know, they, the last time they played Navy, they held Navy to, to – they shut them out and held them to 153 yards rushing. Uh, two years ago, so they feel pretty good about their their design against the option attack. Armies is a little bit different, though. It's it's a it's tempo. Um, mm-hmm. So you know that that is to try to stop that when they're running it at tempo and get your assignments right uh, on the fly like that. I think is something that's probably uh, going to take a little bit of a time period for for Cincinnati's defense to adjust to, uh, which makes it difficult because the how do you stop an option team? You score early and you get out uh, into a you know a lead early, and that's I think going to be a challenge for Cincinnati. Even though that you know they've got a really good defense, um, assignment wise I think they'll be fine. Personnel wise, I, I don't see much of an issue. Uh, Luke Fickle is kind of uh, why well, I, this is this is uh, the game I'm going to be playing as I'm watching from field level. He has talked. They have gone to a three-three-five defense over the last uh, season or so. And um, he has been pretty adamant to the media this week that they might continue to to play with three down linemen against Army, which I think uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with, and I also don't necessarily believe him <laughs> because look, if you're running a, a three-three-five, what do you need five defensive backs on the field for against Army? Um, so we'll see how true to that he stays. And how much of it is maybe some gamesmanship to uh, to get Army uh, looking for some uh, some deception? But I think defensively, after they get adjusted to the speed and the physicality, uh, I think Cincinnati's defense should be fine. It's just going to matter be a matter of how fast can they adjust? Because I mean that I, that's just difficult to even if you've watched Army, it's difficult to even fathom. How fast the ball is set, and they're they're running another triple option play right at you, and mentally getting that. You're you're watching for the chop blocks. You're trying to to hold your assignments. There's a lot that goes into it. <coughs>
3: excuse, excuse me. Somebody somebody from Army just called me and said, "You mean cut blocks?"
4: Yeah, sure. <laughs> the, 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 you call them what you want.
2: <laughs>
1: hey, Cal. That reminds me of uh, several years ago, I guess what probably 15 years ago now when John Bunning was at North Carolina and they were playing Wake Forest and Jim oh, Grove, yeah. Jim Grove's Demon Deacons. Um, uh, they uh, cut block a lot. And um and John Bunning said because hey, it's effing dangerous. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that Navy game two years ago, it took out Perry Young, Cincinnati's starting uh weak side linebacker. So or yeah, weak side linebacker, so. They will definitely uh, have their head on a swivel looking for it.
3: Yeah, no doubt, you you, you got to you you, you got to be prepared and watch your legs when uh, when you're taking on any of the academies. It's it's their it's their equalizer, I guess, to running that option, doing those cut blocks. They're big though. Block. Like
4: they say that that's to like neutralize the the size disadvantage. Yeah, everybody on that offensive line's two eighty five to three hundred five. Like. <laughs> that's not necessary like you've got the size up there to compete so i, I that's not a, an equalizing factor that's a, a, a decided schematical advantage
1: <laughs> yeah before we talk more about this matchup let's um kind of shift into the stands if you will and talk about um how many fans can be in attendance if if
4: any and where where do things stand The only thing you see is allowing this week and uh, next week for South Florida, if that game happens, is each player gets four uh, tickets for direct family, Um, parents, significant others, Um, and then the opposing team gets 100 tickets for direct family, and then the band and the cheer and dance squads are socially distanced in the stands, and that is it. Um, They've even limited the number of uh, photographers allowed down on the field, uh, the number of people in the press box. So it is uh, It is a very tight ship right now.
3: Very similar to what it is at East Carolina, only our band is not going to be there. It's quite funny, uh, and, and, you know, obviously the governor dictates all this kind of stuff, but this week we can have 350, you know, family members in attendance uh, in Greenville.
4: Next week we can have roughly 3,500 fans in attendance. <laughs> because... You know, in those seven days, a lot changes. Exactly. <laughs>
3: back to the mashup with the uh, with Army. Uh, what's it going to take for for the uh, for the Bearcats to come away with a victory tomorrow? What What are your keys to victory for Cincinnati?
4: Here's what I always worry about, guys. I always worry, and we've done it on this podcast. I always worry when there's only one aspect of the game being mentioned, and and everybody wants to talk about how Cincinnati stops. Army's triple option attack, which I I get it's understandable because it's so, so, you know, different you don't see it that often. Army's got a top 30 defense returning and Cincinnati's struggles last year were, you know, offensive uh, centric. And if you're, like I said, if you're going to, if you're going to beat a triple option team, it sure does help a hell of a lot to get out to a lead uh, and, and not be having to, to chase them. Or if you're playing even, uh, they don't have to change their rhythm, their system, what they're doing. They're just going to keep coming at you. So I think a lot of this is going to come down to can Cincinnati uh, move the ball on Army's defense? And if they can successfully move the ball on Army's defense, I, I think you're going to be in, in good position to get a win here. Um, I think this game rolls into the fourth quarter, um, fairly close. I think it's a it's a game Cincinnati wins by 10, 11, 12 points. Right now the line's at 13 and a half. Um, I, I wouldn't feel great about Cincinnati and uh, giving the points. Uh, but I, I do think it's a game that they should win by a touchdown and a field goal or, or somewhere right in that general vicinity.
3: Did you have anything? Yeah, else? I, have a, I have a request. For okay. the Cincinnati if, if you don't have anything else, is that again? You, you have a request, what, Kyle? I have a request for the Bearcats if you don't have another question first. Um, You can go ahead. Okay. All right. All right. I, I talked to you. I, maybe it wasn't you. It was someone with Cincinnati I talked to about this. On you're, a pretty you're, you're cheating on me?
4: You've got another Cincinnati
3: guest? Maybe. I'm not sure. I get confused. Son of a. <laughs> uh, He keeps up with the guests better than I do. (laughs) Okay. No, Chad.
1: No we're being totally faithful to you, Chad. Uh, He's the only one we
3: have on for Cincinnati. Okay, it was Chad. It was UIF. Okay, all right. (laughs) You guys have got to please everybody has gone to this stupid siren from um uh the purge. You guys please started that, yeah, huh? UC started that. Yeah, but it was stupid. Go back to the Halloween music. Go back to the Halloween. The Halloween music was badass. Go back to the Halloween. I agree.
4: I agree. Now, think of it like this, Kyle. Um, Out at UC goes to a place called Camp Higher Ground for camp, Uh, and it is literally in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. Uh, There are nothing but woods and trees around for as far as the eye can see, and they have these gigantic speakers uh, that they used during practice and every third down snap of every practice, they blared the purge siren in our ears over and over again. I, I would, I would wake up to nightmares of hearing that siren go off. So if they could, if they would switch back to Halloween, I would be freaking ecstatic, but unfortunately the players are the ones that requested that, and now it has caught on across the country and everybody's using it. And uh, it's not as bad when it's played in the stadium, but when I hear it at practice, I, I, I have PTSD.
3: I love I loved you guys. in Night games. You uh, know, yeah, the, and back in the 2008,
4: 2009, the the we're Halloween in. music. Yeah, wearing all black with Halloween music. It was so badass, and I wish you guys would go back to it. I really do. I I am not uh, disagreeing with you at all. Unfortunately, uh, they don't ask me my opinion on those type of things. <laughs> you, t- you tell them a random a random podcaster wants like Oh, uh, The guys at ECU wanted. Uh, if you guys could promise that Holton Aylers wouldn't throw for 500 yards and 20 touchdowns like he did uh, last year, I think I might be able to make it happen.
3: In that case, never mind. <laughs>
4: It's a negotiation, Kyle. I'm trying here.
3: <laughs> okay, I'll agree to it. Only
2: this time we win. <laughs>
3: this time he <laughs> throws
2: for 30 touchdowns. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that was uh, that was a hell of a game last year. It was. But you it you was guys, wrong. you guys got introduced uh, with the rest of the country to mod Sauce Gardner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was one you could certainly see coming um, from the stands um, because it was a matter of uh, uh, Holton was throwing to a guy that that wasn't even supposed to be in the progression. And uh, and the guy, it was very obvious in the way the guy was running his route. I think it was C.J. Johnson who had a huge night as well. But um, Holton threw in the ball. And instead of working back to the football, he was moving away from it. Uh, where, whereas if he was working back to the ball, I mean, right.
4: maybe maybe at least it's an incomplete pass. So. It's it's the exact same thing that, that Gardner did to, to UCF uh, to to get a pick six against UCF. He just I've never seen anything like that. A kid that he was sixth on the depth chart at cornerback in camp uh, and ended up a freshman All American and uh, is on a lot of first team All American lists now as a sophomore. Uh, a, a you know medium to low three star kid out of Detroit that. Neither of the Michigan schools even gave a sniff to. Uh, and and pro football focus had him as uh, the number two cover corner in the country as a freshman, which you just don't ever see anybody come out of nowhere like that and make that type of impact.
2: Nice.
4: Echo out. Chad, we Chad, really appreciate
2: we'll you One more thing.
4: Okay.
3: Hello? Dave, cut out. Go ahead, Bubba. Dave, cut out. That come on. Yeah.
1: yeah, come on,
4: Dave, yeah, get it re- together.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: sales service in Eastern North Carolina. Not great, but, huh? <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, Chad, we really appreciate the visit. Should be a heck of a ball game tomorrow between the Bearcats and Army. Um, 14th ranked Cincinnati, number 22 Army, 330 on ESPN. I will certainly be tuned in um, and or DVR in this game and uh, look forward to watching it. Um, but before we let you go, go ahead and uh, and plug Bearcat Journal and tell folks where they can read your work and also listen to your
4: podcast. Uh, the podcast is on Spotify and uh, Apple, uh, the BCJ podcast. You can find us, BearcatJournal.com. We're in the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, so just look for Cincinnati. You can find us there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Chad Brendel. But, uh, but be warned, it's a very active Twitter feed. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate Thanks very it. Thank you much, Chad. We really
1: appreciate it, and we, we look forward to having you back on later in the season. And we'll see you in a couple weeks, Alex. Thanks, would Thanks, guys. We go from one American team to another. Um, we, caught, we caught up with this guy here a couple weeks ago when Tulane was about to open their season down. Uh, at USA, um, their their new stadium, um, which is very nice um, from the looks of it on TV. We'll, we'll talk about that and much more um, right now. I'm assuming he's in Hattiesburg. Uh, welcome in the play-by-play voice of the Tulane Green Wave,
5: Andrew Allegretta. Good to be here. Actually, still in New Orleans. We'll make the drive up tomorrow. It's not a far scoot up to Hattiesburg, so we'll do that tomorrow morning. About yeah. an hour and a half. Yeah, about an hour and a half. Yeah. So... Um,
1: before we talk about tomorrow, um, let's just talk about what the Green Wave have done up to this point in, in that first game, rallied from a 24-6 deficit on the road, and like I mentioned, at South Alabama with the excitement of that new stadium, and then um, last week, unfortunately, had a 24 nothing lead against Navy, and Na- Navy came back and and uh, pulled it out, so um, talk about what you've seen thus far from Willie Fritz ball club.
5: Yeah, story of comebacks, huh? Uh, The first one against South Alabama, I think it looked like a Tulane team that had not played yet versus South Alabama that did have a game against Southern Miss. Uh, Tulane was rusty in that first half, and then it pinned its ears back uh, in the second half against the quarterback. They had a couple of different quarterbacks that played for the Jags, but they pinned their ears back, and they got after him, and that game changed in the second half. Uh, As far as the Navy game, total reversal. Uh, Navy still looked like a team that was reeling from the BYU game. Uh, Navy still looked like a team that was transitioning to actually tackling during practice. Uh, And then I think Tulane, quite frankly, took its foot off the gas, the proverbial gas. They eased up in the second half. Navy's not going to do that. Navy needed about 100 things to go right in that second half to get the win against Tulane and each and every single one of them uh, went right. Tulane did not get a first down, uh, but the very tail end of that second half, uh, Tulane just needed to keep the offense on the field, uh, churn some clock, couldn't do that. Uh, Navy, which typically doesn't throw the football, was chucking it around the yard. I actually think Navy finished with more passing yards than Tulane in that game. So uh, everything that you would expect from a game against a triple option team did not happen in the second half, and that led to a comeback victory for the midshipmen.
3: Yeah, like you said, uh, great first half against uh, Navy, great second half against South Alabama. Now they just need to do it for four whole quarters, and uh, you'll get a Vic. Uh, I've watched Southern Miss play a lot of football this year, as I always do. They're kind of my adopted number two team. I have a lot of friends (laughs) in Hattiesburg. Um, Obviously, Southern Miss and Tulane, old rivalry uh, from the Conference USA days. So uh, uh, first talk about it from that aspect, just renewing the rivalry with the
5: uh, Golden Eagles. Yeah, so back-to-back seasons that Tulane will play Southern Miss. Last year played them in the bowl game, played them in the – I actually think I – whatever side it is, the Armed Forces Bowl. Uh, Tulane beat them 30-13, to another tale of two halves. Southern Miss actually played pretty well in that ball game down in Fort Worth. Then their starting quarterback, Jack Abraham, got hurt – and then Tulane teed off on the backup quarterback, and it was no contest in the second half whatsoever. Uh, In terms of the rivalry, this is one that has been owned by Southern Miss. It's interesting from a Tulane perspective. uh, If you go back and look at the series history, the only times Tulane has won in this series, it tends to be the really good seasons for Tulane, whether it's 1998, the Sean King season, whether it's 2002 when Mowell Moore was playing for Tulane, Outside of that, Southern Miss has tended to win these matchups. I think it's the 32nd all-time matchup between these two teams, uh, and Southern Miss has 23 victories. Obviously, Southern Miss is a very proud football program. Uh, Tulane gets the invite to the Americans. Southern Miss is stuck in Conference USA, so I think that's been part of the transition in terms of talent level in the past couple of years. Yeah, and it's Battle of the Bell, is that right? Is that- Battle for the Bell, correct. There's a gigantic bell. It's a huge white bell. Two lanes logos on one side. Southern Miss's logo is on the other side. Uh, it's not like something tiny. It's something that you would, you know, stick on the Liberty Bell or something like that. It's a huge sucker.
3: Yeah, watching, uh, watching USM take on uh, Louisiana Tech last weekend, uh, very streaky at times. Southern Miss looked really good. At other times, they struggled. Uh, very inconsistent with their running game. Um, that's one thing I noticed. They have the ability to run the football. It just seems to go away at times. Um, uh, interim head coach, very, very, one of the most – I've never seen anybody so fired up on the sideline in my life. Good Lord Almighty. Uh that, that kid's going to have a spasm out there. Um, talk about what you've seen from the Golden Eagles, uh, how, how you think um, the two lane defense with that experienced D-line matches up against Southern Miss. I do think the weak point of Southern Miss's offense may be their O-line.
5: Yeah, first off with Scotty Waldron, uh, that's going to be really interesting. Uh, Walden, I believe is his name, Wal- Waldron. Walden. Walden. Um, Yeah, he looks like a young head coach to me, not just physically, but with the way he acts. And I don't mean that maliciously, but I think when you're a 30-year-old head coach, you try to prove it in certain fashions and running up and down the sideline, acting all jacked up is one of those ways to try to prove that you're a head coach. So I'm kind of curious how that plays in the long run. That's really easy to do when you're in your first or second game. And if you suffer three, four, five consecutive losses, uh, that sort of energy doesn't have staying power so I'm kind of interesting to see how that plays out uh, over the course of the season for their new head coach Scotty Walden uh, in terms of the matchup you nailed it uh, if Patrick Johnson and Cam Sample can get after Jack Abraham who is a good quarterback by the way he was a two-lane commit actually kind of interesting story he was a two-lane commit under Curtis Johnson the previous head coach then Willie Fritz comes and wants to run his you know version of a triple option offense. That's not Jack Abraham's style. So he decommits from Tulane, goes to Louisiana tech, leaves there, goes to a junior college, ends up in Hattiesburg. Meanwhile, his counterpart, Keon Howard started at Southern Miss. uh, And that didn't go very well for Keon Howard at Southern Miss. So he ends up at Tulane. So you've got two guys going against each other at the quarterback position that effectively started at the opposite school in this matchup. That should be kind of interesting to follow as a storyline. But just from a pure X's and O's standpoint, if Patrick Johnson, Cam Sample, Jeffrey Johnson, DeAndre Williams, and what is quite frankly one of the best defensive lines in the American Conference, uh, if they can tee off on Jack Abraham, it's a ball game. Uh, If they can't, look out because Tulane has struggled on the back end.
3: Yeah, and and also you guys uh, can run the ball pretty well um and southern miss has struggled stopping the run early uh so i think that's another advantage uh, you guys as favor your run game versus their run defense
5: yeah tajay spears guys is one of the best backs in the entire american conference uh you don't know his name just yet uh but back-to-back 100 yard rushing uh game for the redshirt freshman look they're going to get him 15 to 20 touches uh maybe 15 carries a couple of passes out of the backfield Uh, He's a guy that's probably going to go off for about 100 yards each and every single game. He doesn't have a touchdown yet, which is somewhat strange. Uh, But in terms of electrifying athletes in this conference, uh, Tajay Spears is one of them. Uh, And when Tulane takes on East Carolina in a couple of weeks later on this season, you guys will be circling Tajay Spears as the guy to stop offensively for the wave.
3: Yeah, and apologize for the logo being over your face.
5: I, I can go over here.
3: Yeah <laughs> appreciate that. Hopefully Bob will get that moved here in a second he may maybe away from the keyboard right now. There you go. I apologize uh, about uh, that, Andrew.
5: No it, no, it just it becomes I, like uh it becomes one of those uh uh shoot, I can't come up with the uh the graphic name, a little over the shoulder. I keep getting turned around. A TV news anchor, you stick the graphic right here and you stay to this side right. it's fine. We yeah. adjust.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'd stepped away for a moment, um, uh, to get my son some some medicine, so I, I figured as soon as I walked away that yeah. that would. Happen. Understandably that
5: would so, those are things worth doing.
1: Hey Dave, when you drop, you got to plan it
5: better. you no kid, Dave. Tell uh, him but- to get his. <laughs> tell him to get his Burger King faster. <laughs> hey, you know what? thats
2: is that that is. Are you a Burger King, Dave? No, I'm not. Um, it's raining here, and. Uh, I'm driving home it's it raining hard really to say bad it's because Dave loves Burger King. I don't know. If that's, yeah, that's yeah. Very, yeah.
5: Hey, uh, do what you got to do.
1: you
3: uh, pretty much talked down the whole game here. Have you got anything to add?
1: One of the things I'm really interested to see in this matchup is just how uh, obviously Tulane coming off such a hard loss, um, losing that 24 point lead to Navy. And then Southern Miss uh, having a chance to win in a, what, it was, a, what, 31-14 lead or 27-10. It was a 17-point lead, right, Kyle? Against yeah. Lock- yeah. Lock- so yeah.
5: Yeah. I, I'm very interested to see how each of these teams responds. I think Tulane should respond fairly well. They typically have under Coach Willie Fritz. Um, the one thing I suppose we haven't talked about a ton is the Keon Howard situation, I know I mentioned it from a storyline perspective that it didn't go well. The Mississippi kid ends up at uh, Southern Miss. It doesn't go well. He transfers, ends up at Tulane, sits behind Justin McMillan last year, but he's played uh, not a plus football so far. He's throwing forty three percent completion. He does not have a touchdown pass so far in two games. Uh, he does have one interception. Uh, he needs to play better. And quite frankly, guys, if he doesn't play better, don't be surprised whether it's in this football game or down the road for Tulane, they they try out one of their freshmen, either Justin Ibietta or Michael Pratt, which is not where, where head coach Willie Fritz wants to be at this particular point in the season, uh, making a quarterback change, going to a freshman. Uh, Keon is still the guy. He's going to start in this football game, but that's that's the whole deal for Tulane. If they can get the quarterback play to stabilize an offensive coordinator Will Hall doesn't need a quarterback that's going to throw for 400 yards in a ball game, Let's see if I can do it. 400 yards in a ball game. He just needs someone that can uh, <laughs> I'm entertaining myself. He just needs someone that can go out there and get about 200 yards passing throw a couple of touchdowns and no interceptions and let the running game do its thing. It just needs to be a viable second option. And right now the passing game is not a viable sec- sec- second option for Tulane. Uh, if it becomes one, the waiver pretty good. If it doesn't, it's going to be a bumpy ride.
1: A couple yeah, things, Andrew. Andrew. Um, one of the things um, that Kyle and I found very interesting because Kyle swore that it would be central time, um, but, but 2 30 PM. Is, that's actually the Eastern time uh, for, of this kickoff on, on stadium, um, which is, uh, which is an odd kickoff time. And then uh, in addition to that, so we have a Southern Miss fan, I want to, Kyle's good friends, uh, James, chiming in. And James said, uh, tell the Tulane guy, the Southern Miss fan, says
5: hello. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, no, he, that's, said, that's, he said, we're going to take, take that bell, LOL. That's fine. Tell the Southern Miss guys to get a better television contract. Oh. oh, oh,
3: oh. Uh, my buddy's about six foot five, three 310
4: pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> it's
5: fine. It's <laughs> <That's> fine. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's an, it's an odd kickoff. It was slated for 6 PM central. And then with all due respect to stadium, I think they're putting this game on a couple of the local Fox sports channels. Um, I I have a hunch that stadium is attempting to act like a television network and move game times around because it's a streaming platform. Um, You can sort of stack about five or six games at the same time. But again, if they're, Gonna drop it on a Fox Sports New Orleans or a Fox Sports Southwest. Perhaps that was part of the negotiation, uh, but yeah, it's it's an awkward kickoff time to say the least.
3: I think so. MSG is covering this game. Uh, so yeah,
5: guys, it's you know, yeah, it's, it's, modern it's modern one record. of yeah. I'm sure they're trying to grab a couple of nickels here or there and farm it out to a couple of uh, uh, regional sports networks, and they'll they'll take their small slice of the pie to offset their production costs.
3: And I actually have Stadium, uh, Eastern
5: North Carolina, the Grable Market. It is 14.3, I believe. Uh, I, just, I thought it was something you found on Facebook. And I'm not trying to be funny or anything. It, I, it, I seriously it, thought it started it, as something you found on Facebook. It's a digital network, and they do stream on
3: Facebook. But there are it, – it, it's also used as one of those secondary digital channels. Like your you know, your NBC affiliate has 7.2 or 7.3. Gotcha. So it's an offshoot of our, of our Fox affiliate in, in Grable. Gotcha
5: that's and that's fine look we're all going to cutting the cord and streaming and all that kind of stuff eventually we're not going to pay for espn on our cable package we'll pay the eight bucks directly to espn to stream it through whatever package you want to do so I, I understand i'm not knocking stadium too too much but are you I mean, knock
3: them i agree with you conference usa television package is awful i don't yeah. know how much
5: money they get for it uh, it's not it, uh, it, it look w- with all due respect to southern miss i was having an interesting conversation with somebody else recently um you know, from a power five perspective, UConn is the team that certainly lost out the most in realignment. Uh, they were right there and they got squeezed. And now they're trying to find an appropriate home uh, from a G5 level. You could make a strong case that Southern Miss is the program that got squeezed the most. Oh, as well no because. Yeah, because that's a proud football program. And now you're stuck in a situation where, look, the American doesn't rake it in when it comes to television contracts. It's like eight million bucks, which is a far cry from the SEC and the Big Ten pulling forty, fifty million dollars. But and it's sort far
3: above uh, the rest of the other group, group of five.
5: Yeah, it's and, and it's and it's a problem for Conference USA. It's going to be it's going to be something that continues to separate, um, you know, teams like Old Dominion. They're Conference USA, right? Western Kentucky. I think Conference USA, it's yeah. going to continue to separate some of those programs. And look, it, if you miss on conference realignment, it sets the whole program back. It, it just flat out does. And it's no fun that you have to talk about that because we should be talking about Kansas playing Missouri, not Missouri playing, I don't know, Auburn or whatever it is. But yeah. um, I agree. That's It's just it's reality. And if you don't have the dollars and cents here, um, you get squeezed. and and it hurts you from every different angle of an athletic department. And and while we're talking about
3: an ongoing subject that's been brought up, uh, whenever we talk Conference USA and Sunbelt football, there used to be a huge advantage to being in Conference USA over the Sunbelt. That advantage is gone when you look at the two leagues. You could take Conference USA, you could take the Sunbelt, and you could form two very nice regional
5: leagues. Yes, you could.
3: And if you can't make any more money, you can save a lot of money that way. And saving
5: money is the same as making money. Yep. And I think Conference USA ranks as the – Last of the 10 FBS conferences going into the season or perhaps last season. So yeah, they've 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 got some work to do, which is unfortunate again, because there's proud football programs in that league, whether it's Southern Miss or Willie Taggart, coached at Western Kentucky, whatever it happens to be. But yeah, it's just this these are the realities of college athletics. And I certainly don't have to tell you guys.
3: Yeah, Southern Miss and Marshalls who come from on yep. uh, yeah, sure.
1: Yep, Andrew. Last thing for you before we let you go, because um, we know we know you have to make that trip up to, to Hattiesburg tomorrow. Um, but um, speaking of no fun, um, what about everything that's going on with the Houston Cougars? Um, Dana Holgerson and, and his ball club have had five games impacted by the coronavirus, and um, actually, that's the next game on the docket for for them as well as you guys, and uh, that, that's on October eighth, the th- Thursday night.
5: Uh, From a Homer perspective, I'm fine with it because that means Houston's first game is October 3rd and Tulane will be on its fourth game. You tell me who's going to be more in football shape that Thursday night. It's going to be Tulane. It doesn't mean that Tulane wins the game, but it certainly gives Tulane a decided advantage. Uh, You feel for the Houston guys. Um, You certainly do, because as I understand it, most of those cancellations were the result of the other team, North Texas, uh, Baylor certainly Memphis. Uh, It's actually interesting. I'll plug it here real quickly, guys. I do a podcast um, like everybody does. Uh, It's called The Current. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. But the one advantage I have is the team physician for Tulane is Dr. Greg Stewart. He's the chair of the AAC advisory committee, the COVID uh, advisory committee. Uh, And I talked with him, I guess, last week, And we talked specifically about canceling Memphis and Houston and how that happened and all of the inner workings of that. Um, It's really, it's a great resource that we have at Tulane to be able to pick his brain about, you know, the conference calls that they get on, talks that the presidents are having, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, But, but yeah, if you want to hear the inner workings in terms of how Houston versus Memphis did end up getting canceled and the mechanics and the timeline of the whole thing, the podcast is called the current and it was part of, Uh, I believe it was part of our Navy preview.
3: Yeah. Uh, See if you can ask him if there's any way we can do this contact trace in isolation to seven days if you can test out after seven rather than having to be quarantined for 14 when
5: you're not even sick. Uh, As you referenced prior, take that to the politicians. (laughs) CDC only makes recommendations. They're not (laughs) laws. Take them to the politicians.
3: Really appreciate your time, Andrew.
1: Uh, Last thing before we let you you go, and you've you've plugged your podcast. To tell folks where, uh, if they're on the road, um, and in addition to listening to the podcast, where can they
5: um, tune in tomorrow afternoon to um, to hear the Tulane Southern Miss game? I know it's crazy. Everyone's got a podcast, I suppose. You sort of have to at this point, and and hopefully everybody serves their particular market. I, I'm I'm just trying to scratch the Tulane market and the fans that have been, um, you know, scratching for a, a good quality football team. Uh, over the past 10 years or so, at least give them something to talk about. Um, tune in radio is from a national perspective where you can go, just stream it off the tune in radio app, search two lane sports network. That's easy. Uh, I don't believe we would be on XM with this game because we're on the road. Typically they take the, the home team feed. Um, but for our friends, perhaps in Hattiesburg, our radio station down here does stretch pretty good into Mississippi. One Oh four one is the FM signal down here in new Orleans. So, uh, those are our broadcast homes. Plus, you can find all of the details on TulaneGreenWave.com. Uh,
1: really appreciate it and um, always enjoy having you on the program. And we'll certainly have you on uh, here in the next few weeks.
5: Uh, Tulane, East Carolina. What is that, November?
3: Yeah. Uh, November, 11th, November.
5: I, I don't know. Yeah. Just depends yeah, I if we know. get there, guys. That is
1: November 7th. November there 7th. Go.
5: There you go. Sounds good. Tell everyone up in uh, uh, Greenville, I said, hello, and I told him I would do it. I did it last time. I'll do it again. Uh, go get Mac McCarthy's book. It makes a fantastic uh, stocking stuffer for Christmas, which is just around the corner, guys. Greenfield. Mac McCarthy's book. <laughs> I told him I'd plug it. Go yeah. get it. Hey, <laughs> absolutely. Um, we, we
1: had Coach Mac on. Yeah. Um, two or three weeks ago to do just that right before it was released. And, uh, and I received mine in the mail a few days ago. Can't wait to dig in and, uh, hear some of his stories um, from back in his days at Chattanooga or Auburn. He's got
5: good ones, guys. Great ones. Great ones. Thanks so much, Andrew. Take it easy guys.
1: As we continue to move around the American, uh, now we welcome in from the nightline sports network and we had him on a couple weeks ago as well. Um, Welcome in, Jeff Allen.
0: Hey, guys. Great to be here. Always a pleasure to be part of your show.
1: Absolutely. I I, I say two weeks ago, I guess it was actually uh, last week, um, I'm living the uh, coronavirus dog day. Um, (laughs) They all blend together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we all are. um, Prior to that uh, Georgia Tech game, and uh, I know you had to be very pleased with the way things went in Atlanta, um, taking down the Yellow Jackets 49-21.
0: Yeah, it was a, a good start for the Knights. And, you know, I thought their offensive scheme suited them well for coming out of the gate that way. Because if you look at, you know, at the tempo they run, the players are veteran players. They know what to expect. And uh, I think that gave them a good advantage in coming out to, to start the season that well. And a uh, big thing that I really liked was uh, Dylan Gabriel adding a few more uh, run options in there. I think that uh, helps uh, spread out the defense a little bit more got to work on his sliding though. The, uh, two foot, the two feet first slide, you might give himself a concussion if he keeps that up. But, uh, uh overall, you know, those were over 400 yards, the running game gets over 200 yards. Uh, definitely a, a, a terrific start, uh, f- uh, for the Knights on, on offense. Defensively, uh, you know, they, they, they struggled a little bit in the third quarter, uh, against tech. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, they play that then but don't break type defense and they get, you know, timely turnovers. I know that's an overused statement, but uh, uh, they they tend to get uh, big turnovers at key points in the game.
3: Six turnovers is key. I mean, you get six turnovers, you're going to win most of the ball game if you play.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: uh, you mentioned the speed you guys run your offense at and how that was conducive for an early season victory over Georgia Tech, particularly in the COVID era. I think it benefited your defense too in terms of forcing turnovers early on well when they've seen the speed of that offense all fall camp and now they go play Georgia Tech's offense it's, it's slow motion compared to that offense
0: <laughs> yeah no, no question about that you know and i think you know Georgia Tech you know obviously they're they're rebuilding but uh, jeff sims will be a good player one day but right now he's he's learning on the job and turnovers are you know definitely a bugaboo of a young quarterback
3: yeah no doubt um, young quarterback we do not have. Holden uh, has uh, got some experience last year. Came into his own towards the end of the season. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on East Carolina's uh, starting quarterback, Holt Ehlers?
0: Yeah, he's a uh, you know he's not as heralded as other QBs in the conference like Dylan Gabriel and Shane Bouchelle and Brady White, but I think he brings a lot to the table. Uh, running and throwing the football, he's a big kid. I mean, he's very impressive. Um, you know, above the receiving core you guys have with uh, Johnson, Steen, and Prol. Um, You know, this is definitely an upgraded offense that UCF is playing in their second game. So they will have to be on point uh, most, most definitely. Uh, and I tell you, I, I really do like Holt Naylor's game. And just to see how he's progressed, especially at the, the second half of last season. And, you know, when they played down here, you know, UCF got off to a huge lead. Uh, but you know, East Carolina, I think, you know, a testament to what Mike is doing there. They they kept grinding and you know, kept fighting and and you know, made UCF a little uncomfortable, uh, which is pretty rare in the bounce house.
3: Yeah, you referenced the second half against UCF last year and the Pirates um, you know, that was one of uh th- there was several performances, even though they were in losses that stuck out to Pirate fans last year, uh, along with the Cincinnati game, that second half against UCF was one of the moments where you Really saw what the pirates could be. Um, uh, the pirates have a very young defense, uh, very inexperienced defensive line, playing a lot of young guys on the D line. Uh, do not like that matchup against y'all's offense.
0: Yeah, that is a uh, that's a tall order uh, facing the kind of offense that UCF puts out on the field. So uh, you know, you know, you got a new coordinator, you got you know a lot of new faces. That's a lot to put together for the first time out on the field in 2020. Uh, against a uh, rocket fuel type of offense uh, that uh, will show no mercy and and continue to, you know, run plays every 10 seconds. So uh, they will have their hands full. Um, You know, I think for uh, East Carolina, you know, your offense is going to have to be part of your defense in in time of possession and trying to limit uh, UCS possessions.
1: Yeah, you talk about the Pirates, the ground game, um, the running back room for East Carolina is significantly improved, and um, we brought in a couple of very talented freshmen: uh, Keaton Mitchell out of Georgia, and then Raji Harris out of South Carolina. And then you also had grad transfer Chase Hayden from Arkansas, who um, certainly brings a lot to the table. It will be very interesting tomorrow to see who uh, ends up um, getting the bulk of the carries, or or, yeah. or or if they're pretty spread out.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, and uh, and that running game obviously would would be key in trying to control the clock and uh, keep UCF's offense off the field, you know, and UCF's running game uh, will be interesting to watch. Uh, Greg McRae uh, tweaked his ankle last week. They're saying he's uh, he, he looks good and that he should be okay to go, but they could, you know, in theory, uh, sit him a, a week. Uh, they have great depth. You know, I would love to have Josh Heupel's problems, you know, because I, you know, I see Otis Anderson, and, so, and I always say, you know, he needs more touches. And then I see Greg McRae, he needs more touches. And then I see Ventavious Thompson, he needs more touches. It's like, oh, how do you figure out how to divvy it all up between those guys? Uh, it definitely is a, is a, is a stacked talent uh, in, the, in the locker room there.
1: Yeah, last year the ground game for East Carolina certainly left a lot to be desired. Um, seems to be progressing in the, the right direction um, but um, that remains to be seen for sure um, because um, you never know how to read a, an inter squad scrimmage but this year when, like Kyle just referenced, um, you're blocking um, a defensive front, um, especially on the defensive line that is extremely green. Uh, so you can't um, You can't read too much into that success. It's it's not like um, they're blocking, you know, Linville Joseph and Scotty (laughs) Robinson and CJ Wilson and some, some of those guys.
0: Yeah, it's a, it definitely is a, a, conditions are conducive uh, for them to have success uh, based on, on the talent will be on the field tomorrow. Um, you know, but let me ask you guys this: it, you know, something that great of interest to in me. How do you feel like things are progressing under Mike Houston? I, I think he's a terrific coach, and I think you know, yeah, it had a big culture change to have to do there. Uh, you know, give me your thoughts on on what he has done.
3: Well, he's a winner. Uh, I think he's got the guys believing in themselves. They seem to be a, a lot of a lot of togetherness on this football team. Um, uh, so I think he's improved the morale um I, I think we have a lot of potential on offense there's a lot of pieces there um I, defensively a very young defense um the change defense coordinator brought in um blake harrell who uh was an fcs defense coordinator down at um kennesaw state um interested to see how he does uh, kind of you know unproven never has coached at this level um at the fbs level so to me that was an interesting hire it may work out to be a great hire time will tell uh, but I, I think Houston um, – uh, I, I think Houston's getting there. Um, I, I think at times you saw what we could be. Uh, like I you know, mentioned, second half against y'all, the Cincinnati game. The biggest thing he's done, to, in my opinion, is, is make this team more physical and get these guys to believe they can win. Piggybacking
1: off yeah, what Kyle
2: said.
1: V- very quickly, Dave, um, just – uh, and then um, chime in with what you're going to say. Uh, but the accountability um, accountability was something that was really lacking uh, under the previous regime. So that that was an elephant in the room that he had to tackle. He and the staff. Uh, in addition to that, uh, like Kyle said, the way we, the way in which we practiced uh, was not going to be conducive to to playing uh, physical football and. Uh, championship caliber football and to say the least and, and it showed and coach houston immediately after being hired um was talking about um the lack of physicality and then the, some reporter i don't recall who uh, asked him if that was a surprise and he said no i saw it in 2017 when my james madison team came <laughs> here and um they certainly whipped us that night in the trenches and um and lastly, uh, if it's any indication—and it certainly is—the uh, number of new players in the program this year is something like 55, mm-hmm. and that—that that shows what it's a depleted uh, Mike Houston and this staff inherited. And I think it's probably uh, we were in worse shape than I think he probably knew somewhat of what he was getting into. Mm-hmm. But I think it was probably worse if he was being honest uh, than he even thought.
3: Yeah, I, 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 I can I can guarantee you it was.
2: Yeah, for Go me ahead, personally, though yeah, for me personally, it's that that same thing you guys talked about. The number I was, Bubba, you read my mind. I, I was going to talk about the fifty-four. Coach was talking about fifty-four new players in one year. Um, we had a similar situation, Jeff, as you may remember, with basketball with Joe Dooley last year. What was eleven new guys on the basketball team? Well, this year we have fifty-four new guys um, in one year's time, and there's been uh, basically uh, you were talking you were talking Jeff about the culture. Uh, that's, that's the biggest problem we had is that we had guys that quit. Um, the guys retired me hearing me talk about that Memphis game in 2017, but those guys gave up in the first quarter. And if we'd uh, done that, if we'd played with Montgomery with you guys, uh, last year, it would have been, uh, it would have been over and there would have been no comeback in the second half. So you already see that the, obviously the fight that these guys have, and, um, we're talking about the physicality and. These guys know uh, there's always going to be a competition. I think that with uh, Montgomery, um, they once they had a depth chart, they pretty much kept that, and they didn't change. These guys felt like they were entitled, and uh, and they're finding out that it's a privilege and not a right to play for East Carolina University. And um, these guys, if you put a uniform on, you better be ready to be a pirate. And I think that's what's uh, was missing before. And I'll tell you another thing, guys, uh, that we've talked about. Not only the the culture as far as the players, but the facilities at East Carolina were dismal, uh, were awful. Um, every hatchet <laughs> you could use to be bad, and that's something that we've got to drastically improve if we're ever going to compete in the American for Championships is our facilities. And I hope our administration and fans will come together finally and, and uh, start giving more to the school and the Pirate Club, and um, that's the only way we get better. We're going to win on the prog- uh, we're going to win on the field in uh, this year if not this year, next year, Um, but certainly we have.
3: And Dave cut out on us there, Uh, poor cell service, wherever he is. Yeah, so, Uh, hey,
0: you know, uh, I guess you guys are probably as excited as I am that the game, uh, you know, got moved to ABC. I'm sure ratings in the Carolinas and the state of Florida are going to be much better than uh, uh, what we would have gotten with the – uh, whatever the other regional game was. I mean, It was Notre Dame and Wake Forest, so I think that uh, you might have got some Wake Forest ratings there, but uh, I know at least here in Orlando, uh, you know, the ratings are going to be big, and, it, and I think uh, UCF drew 3 million in their time slot last week against Georgia Tech, which is a, a, a pretty good number. Fourth most watched game in UCF history, and, and that's up there with uh, New Year's Six Bowls, so...
1: Yeah, piggybacking off what you're saying, Jeff, i with um, uh, no one being able to attend the game outside of parents. Um, that that makes it even more the case. Obviously, um, Pirate Nation would be tuning in anyway. Um, but um, even more so with it being our first game against number thirteen UCF and nobody being able to attend. Um, we'll be very interested to see uh, what the ratings are for this one.
3: Yeah, Uh Jeff. What are your uh, keys
2: to victory for UCF? And Jeff, I did.
0: Yeah, so the keys to victory, I think, uh, you know, basically is to keep doing what they're doing. Um, you know, they try to take advantage of of, a, of an inexperienced defense. You know, they, you know, Trey Nixon uh, got hurt. He was uh, on his way to being the leading receiver um, uh, until he hurt his shoulder, and uh, no telling how long he's going to be out. Uh, certainly, Marlon Williams picked up the slack, and uh, Jalen Robinson did a great job. The transfer from Oklahoma, I think, you're going to also see more of Otis Anderson. Uh, you know, getting some passes out of the backfield, uh, he's a mismatch in the middle of the field for, for a lot of people. So I see that, uh, definitely happening. And, you know, as far as, uh, you know, UCS defense, um, I think they cannot underestimate, uh, the pirates. I think, uh, uh this is definitely a, a different offense that they will face from week one and, uh, they will have to, uh, to tighten those chin straps a little bit harder, uh, in this, uh, in this particular matchup, uh, Again, I just, you know, I know the, the line is huge on this game. I hate huge lines, um, uh, but I think it's going to be somewhere in, in around a 20 to 25-point victory.
3: Okay.
0: And we One still owe question. you guys, too, because uh, you guys lead the all-time series 10 to 8, so we still owe you so, from the uh, Conference USA days. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, hey, Jeff, I had a question. Go, Go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Uh, I had a question regarding the, this game as far as uh, – I see it as a uh, being, obviously, you're talking about the Conference USA and now with uh, the American. I really like you guys. I like the the fact that, to me, it's like a rivalry. We don't really have a rival as far as uh, most of our rivals are in-state, maybe with the exception of Marshall and uh, Southern Miss. Um, but how, how does Central Florida, as far as UCF fans, the Knight nation, how do, how do they feel about East Carolina?
0: You know, I think it does uh, stretch back to the Conference USA uh, days. Obviously, South Florida is going to be our biggest rival. There's just no way to uh, to shake that. Wait but uh, forget about UConn. <laughs> <laughs> who are they again uh you don't yeah.
1: underestimate the conflict yes the, conflict. the civil
0: conflicts uh worst trophy in the history of sports um you know we've you know we've developed a rivalry with Cincinnati in recent years and with memphis in recent years because we've had to play a lot of big games but from a long-standing rivalry aspect you know i say it's a uh, one that uh, UCF fans uh, definitely have respect for. And I would also you know, say too, that that's also one of the, the the road venues that our fans like to go to.
3: Yeah. The rivalry will come back when we knock you guys off again. Uh, that, that's when the rivalry will come back. As long as you guys are where you are in the world of college football and we're where we are, the rivalry dead. When, when we start winning again, that's when the rivalry will come back.
0: That's exactly right. And, uh, you know, as much as I would hate to see UCF lose, you know, uh, the rivalries are good for the conference. And, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, interesting to see how how that plays out. I I think you guys will be there sooner than later. Yeah.
2: Jeff, well,
1: Jeff have you ever come, have come to Greenville?
2: Go, go ahead, Dave. I was just say. I was just going to say, if with Jeff, you ever come to Greenville, I think we can convert you to be a Pirate fan.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you got to ply me with lots of great barbecue.
3: We got you.
1: We'll do
0: it.
1: <laughs> but Jeff, um, here here this week, um, in the last several days, uh, you've seen um, the Pac-12 and also the Big Ten make the decision to play this fall, uh, which wasn't surprising, really. Um, but uh, with that being the case, um, and really, really even before they played again, uh, you knew it was a long shot, no matter how deserving UCF is, if they were to run the table, which is – a fairly realistic possibility. Uh, So just talk about that, uh, the chance of uh, potentially, you know, knocking on the door of the college football playoff.
0: Yeah, I think just the Big Ten coming back puts a huge damper upon that uh, possibility. Um, Again, I still was very skeptical even if the Big Ten was out. Um, I just don't see – um, then wanting to give the opportunity to a group of five team to be in the playoff, no matter who it is. I just, uh, I just have felt that way for a long time and, and I just think that's the reality of the situation, whether we like it or not, that's pretty much the case. Um, now does a team like UCF, you know, you know, you hate to say, you know, well, you know, it's year to year, but UCS built a track record, you know, and that has to count for something. Uh, because you know all these other power five teams have track records that they get counted upon, but a group of five team, it doesn't work for them. So um, it is a big, it is a big disappointment, um, you know, but definitely the big 10 coming back is, is, has put that totally out the door in my opinion.
3: And the answer to that question is Sue there. Ask it's a main conference commissioners and some school presidents with some balls chance that we, we get what we want or they separate either way. If they separate, we'll have as much chance to play for a national championship as we do now.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, because you know, we can make all the noise we want, and you know, and Danny White is the athletic director. Of UCF has done a great job making noise, yeah. um, but uh, it, it 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 only takes you so far until until something is forced to be done.
3: Yeah, absolutely, Jeff.
1: Yeah. As always, we appreciate the visit. Um, just glancing down UCF schedule, um, we'll definitely have you on periodically uh, throughout the season, uh, October 17th. So you go to number 17, Memphis, and then November 21st, uh, you host number 14, Cincinnati. Those are a couple that really stand out. Um, so um, don't be surprised. We have you on those weeks and potentially more. Um, but before we let you go, uh, go ahead and uh, plug the Nightline Sports Network and and, um, as well as your personal podcasts and tell folks how
0: they can listen. Sure thing. And a uh, matter of fact, uh, maybe, hopefully we'll get to play Memphis <laughs> if they get to play another game again, uh, them in you Hup- in Houston. And I know you got, uh, I know you got Dustin coming up and those poor guys. I feel so bad for them. Um, Nightline Sports Network. Uh, I host the AAC report. So I cover all the teams. You guys have been, uh, on my show numerous times and always do a great job and always enjoy having you guys on. And, uh, I also do my own personal podcast, Jeff Allen Sports Talk. It's more of a general sports talk, but we do co- talk a lot of college football as well. And you can follow me on Twitter uh, for all that at Jeff Allen underscore 88. All right. Appreciate
1: it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Jeff. Have an excellent weekend. And, um, And we'll we'll see how it plays out tomorrow. Uh, I I think at the very least, we're going to have probably a lot of points um, scored at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. I know at least by one team, hopefully (laughs) the team in
2: purple and gold will put up a lot as well.
0: Well, guys, thanks again for having me on. Always appreciate it and uh, enjoy spending time with you.
2: Thanks, Jeff. As we
0: continue our trip around the American on
1: uh, this edition of the Inside Slant, welcome in um, from the Scott and Holman podcast. We're so used to talking to Sam Raz. We're now uh, very excited to talk to Dustin for the first time. Dustin Rensing. Dustin, uh, welcome to the show.
6: Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I know Sam was disappointed not to be able to make it, but uh, his loss is my gain. So happy to be happy to be talking to you guys.
3: Hey, Dustin, are you guys uh, suicidal there in Houston yet?
6: Yeah, it's, it's been pretty rough. It is. Uh, I mean, I, I, I realize it's been an unprecedented year for everybody, um, but it is, it has been pretty rough seeing just game after game get canceled. Uh, the Baylor game in particular, uh, that's something that Sam and I both talked about that that was when we felt like we really were finally getting amped up for this year. It's been hard to, to kind of get excited for, for the year, just given everything that's going on. But uh, once we saw Baylor on the schedule, you know, team that Houston hasn't faced since the other uh, breakup of the Southwest Conference days back in the 90s. Um, so obviously really excited to get them on the schedule and then to lose it uh, less than 24 hours before kickoff uh, was pretty rough. And then uh, North Texas obviously turned around and got canceled as well. So now I think it's five five different op- potential season openers have uh, gotten canceled. Won't be playing until October the 8th, actual Thursday of not even this coming weekend, but the next week. So uh, yeah, it's it's been rough. I'm sure at some point uh, we'll see Houston play uh, college football again. But right now it feels like... Uh, Houston only theoretically sponsors college athletics
3: was there any talk of you guys yeah. and of getting together this weekend they had their game with Arkansas State canceled
6: yeah I haven't I uh, haven't seen anything I did not know if that was kind of uh, spec- speculated at um, I know that uh, um, you yeah, obviously both teams would love to get the game in but as so far I haven't seen anything uh, anything concrete so I'm not sure I'm not sure why it seems like it would make some sense to get to have both of those teams get a game in but uh, haven't seen anything along those lines yet
3: well if it ain't heavy ain't seen it yet it ain't gonna happen
6: yeah, I think it's I think we're past the point of no return on that one. But
1: Dustin, you bring up that word cancellation. I I love what you guys did um whether it was um uh, you or Sam or a joint effort uh, with with your name on Twitter. It says the weekly game cancellations podcast and instead of the Scott and Holman yeah. podcast. I saw
2: that yesterday.
6: <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> I'd like to take credit for that one. That one uh, was definitely Sam. Um yeah, just uh just kind of venting the frustrations. Yeah, the other one when he came up with was we always in our Twitter bio we uh, we always have you know retweet RTs equals blank. And then right now, was really tired. We're just really tired, and uh, just of doing. Uh, I mean, I think five six weeks in a row now we've put out seventy plus minutes episodes talking about uh, football theoretically, and yet to actually get some concrete results.
3: Uh, are you are you got any of these games, or any of these games uh, being made up, or is everything just been canceled at this point?
6: So, the only thing that I've seen any talk about getting made up, the only thing that I think that really has any chance would be the Memphis game, obviously, due to it being a conference game. Now, there's not a shared open date, so we would have to move some things around to figure out how that was going to work. But I know uh, Coach Holgersen said something about still expecting to get that game in somewhere or another. Um, so, other than that, though, I wouldn't expect to see um, any of the, the non conference games get made up at this point. It seems like Coach Holgersen has kind of uh, moved on from that. He's happy. I saw a quote today where he talked about, you know, have, we're going to have still one non conference game in. Uh, BYU is still on the schedule. Um. And other than that, we're just going to focus on getting the conference games in.
3: Yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, December fifth, we are not going to be playing a conference championship game. That is going to have to be pushed back to the nineteenth, so some games can get made up, like Houston and Memphis. Yeah, so.
6: yeah and so that, that that's the likely scenario at this point. So, um, hopefully, uh, Houston will be enough in a in a conference race that it'll be uh, meaningful for them and not just uh, for Memphis to be uh, playing those games late.
3: Yeah. No doubt.
1: And Dustin, obviously there's not but so much that Dana Holgerson can say, but just talk about the mood surrounding the program and what what Coach Holgerson uh, has been communicating to the media and so forth over the last several weeks.
6: Yeah, I mean, obviously they're they're frustrated too, and it's it's hard to uh, to hide that. And even you know, as the coach, you want to remain upbeat. Um, but he he's definitely Coach Holgerson is frustrated. The team is frustrated. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of tweets from a lot of players. Just like, does anyone want to play us? Are we gonna? When can we? Just, we, we just want to play one game. Like anyone, just someone line up against us. Um, and you know, you saw Coach Holgerson after the uh, the Baylor cancellation went uh, took the kind of interesting step of uh, of speaking out openly and saying how frustrated he was that uh, that game got canceled that late. Uh, in the process, kind of drew the ire of Baylor's uh, athletics director, so that was kind of an interesting moment. But uh, yeah, and you, but you, and you saw the school kind of throw some shade intentionally at Baylor when the the North Texas game got canceled, and they, their statement went went out of their way to thank North Texas for being uh, communicative and talking with them through the whole process. Kind of a not so sh- subtle uh, shot at Baylor. Um, so it's been frustrating for for everybody and the the coaches and the players. Certainly, you know as much as you want to kind of put on that good facade of of you know oh, we're just working hard and ready to play whenever we're going to play. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating.
3: Yeah, no doubt. And You guys open up with... Is it Tulane you open with?
6: Tulane on October the 8th, yep.
3: Yeah, and they're going to have quite a few games under their belt by that point, three or four, and uh, you guys will be playing your first game. Is that in Houston or in New Orleans?
6: Uh, that one, I believe, is in New Orleans, I want to say. Um, Come want you're supposed to know this. Top of your head. It is oh, it's in Houston. <laughs> I take it back. It's in Houston. My mistake.
3: Okay, it's in Houston. That... that that is a, I mean, I guess you guys, from, from one aspect, you're going to see a lot of film on Tulane, and you know what they'll have, and you'll have plenty of time to prepare for them. But at the same time, uh, you, you wouldn't have seen any live action yet except in scrimmages.
6: Yeah, and you you heard uh, Coach Holgerson talking about that in his press conference uh, before the, when we thought the North Texas game was still on, even just talking about, you know, a school like UNT that I think is probably even is it going to be less talented than other uh, than Tulane this year. And even just facing them, you heard the concern in his voice. Hey, they've they've had two games to figure out who they are, to get adjustments in, to you know, to make some some changes and things like that. Um, whereas Houston obviously hasn't gotten any. You know, they haven't they haven't done anything to figure out who they are facing uh, other opponents. So against a a talented team that, again in Tulane who uh, who beat Houston a year ago in uh, dramatic fashion. So certainly it's a game that you you want to win every game, but uh, that'd be a one that'll be extra nice to. Uh, to kind of you know wash the taste of uh, of last year's uh, disappointing defeat out of our out of our mouths, so that's gonna be a big one. And yeah, it's obviously Tulane uh, is gonna be a little bit um, I don't know. Maybe well, it, I'm curious to see how they play against Southern Miss this weekend after blowing that huge lead against Navy. So they might have a little bit of a you know conference uh, confidence shake, and we'll see how that uh, how this next game goes. But uh, definitely, you'd always rather have the the three games experience on your belt than the zero. Yeah, no
2: doubt. Dustin, I wanted to ask you as far as uh, the Kooks fans. Uh, and as far as the Cougars are concerned with uh, Dana Hogerson, uh, obviously last year didn't go the way he wanted and now no fault to his own, but uh, the fans have got to be like antsy ready to go. You guys paid him a lot of money and he hasn't even <laughs> coached this year. Uh, so are, how are the fans still with him? Are they still happy with him or is there any uh, discontent there?
6: Yeah, I think most of uh, the Cougar fan base is still uh, still has you know relative confidence in them. Obviously, I think most people kind of wrote off last year. As a, as a year zero type situation just given the uh, the injuries and then the you know even some guys that maybe weren't necessarily season-long injuries that chose to uh, to take red shirts anyway um, and then also there was just a huge huge number of uh, division one transfers that were sitting out this past year that were going to get eligible this year and as much as uh, U of H fans all kind of reflexively uh, hate SMU really what they did last year I think was kind of the uh, the blueprint for what Houston wanted to do. They got a lot of uh, DFW kids that came home and got eligible that had been sitting out for a year. Um, and then they took a huge step and I think w- went from winning like five to 11 games from one year to the next. And that, that was kind of going to be the uh, the blueprint for Houston as well, having just, especially in the secondary, which was one of the, the biggest issues with the Cougars last year. And they just had, you know, four or five Division I guys that looked ready to come in uh, and play. It's just going to be a drastically remade uh, defense. And, you know, on top of that, Houston has, uh, you know, a ton of uh, experience for turning on both sides of the ball. So I think most Cougar fans were, you know, obviously, if if the things start going off the rails again this year, suddenly you, you start having to have some more uncomfortable conversations about how the Dana Holgerson experiment in Houston is going. Um, but I, I think coming into this year, most fans were, you know, relatively confident, ready to, to kind of write off the last year and say, okay, you know, the, the judgment period starts now. um, But it's hard when the judgment periods can't start for, through no fault of anybody's own that uh, we just can't get that. uh, We can't see what this defense looks like with all those transfers. We can't see, you know, if the Dana Holgerson plan is coming together. So obviously that is, that's definitely creating some antsiness, but uh, like I said, I can't really do anything about that at this point.
3: You guys have had to watch Deer King uh, playing really well in Miami. Uh, <laughs> How are the Coug fans taking that?
6: Yeah, there's definitely uh, a little bit of of, you know, people frustrated by that. I've I've been happy for it honestly. Kind of the way I thought, I saw it is the silver lining I tried to to see was that I thought after last year, even though both guys struggled at times, I still thought Derek King deserved to lead a college football team I, and I thought uh, that Clayton Toon deserved to lead a college football team too. So, obviously 100% I'm not gonna lie I would rather have dear King in the Houston program he's an incredible uh, athlete incredible playmaker can do some amazing things um but at the same time it is ex- it's ex- it's exciting to see Clayton Tune this year as well and I'm glad it's and it's- I'm actually I'm able to kind of put the bitterness aside it's been fun to watch him play for Miami um especially in uh, the Louisville game where he just started really chucking the ball around the yard and uh you know his his Last year under uh, with Holgerson, he really just didn't never looked comfortable throwing the ball. Um, just never really looked comfortable in the offense. Really, it was really strange after how good he was the year before in 2018. So to see uh, Derek King around and chucking the football around, it actually warmed my heart. Even if uh, obviously, I'd rather he be doing it for my team.
2: And Dustin, I had a question. As far as I know, you're in Austin. What about Texas and Tom Herman? How are I know you're probably tired of seeing the burnt orange. <laughs>
6: Yeah, you know, I've been here, for, I've been in Austin for two years, and I've actually, I feel like I've seen less of the burnt orange around town than, uh, than I expected when I moved up here, kind of begrudgingly. So maybe that's uh, just due to uh, the fact that they haven't, uh, They haven't been doing uh, some real exciting things. Uh, So for the last couple of years, it hasn't been a a lot of uh, a lot of things to celebrate, but definitely seen more of it around town. And people seem to be pretty, uh, pretty excited about the team. Um, It doesn't look like they're going to have a ton of uh, competition in the Big 12 this year outside of Oklahoma. It might be kind of a uh, a two team race in that conference as poorly as uh, seemingly everybody else in that conference has played so far. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, that is uh, definitely, I'm, I'm on the other side that I am Derek King. I am uh, openly rooting for Tom Herman and uh, the school in Austin to fail as is, uh, I can comfortably say about 99.8% of the, uh, the Cougar fan base.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, with Tom, with that very thing with uh, Tom Herman, I think there are a lot of people that are, uh, that fan base wants a national championship really bad. And I And I'll just say this, I don't know if he's that guy. I'll just be honest. But I'm I'm outside that fan base, so I guess it really doesn't matter anyway. And I don't make the decision to hire and fire a coach.
1: <laughs> yeah, are he's you scared got, Ava? He's got he's got oh, a long I'm way to go. You're the <laughs> payroll, off.
2: <laughs> no, I'm not. If I were, if I were, we would be uh, doing a lot more things with this podcast. If I got paid a lot of money with uh, as much money as is that athletic department has. Yeah, no doubt. Um,
3: well. Good luck against Air this weekend, and um, hope to God uh, you guys get the Tulane game in in, in a couple of weeks. Uh, you, you're almost scared for the Tulane players knowing they have to play you guys. <laughs> yeah,
6: right. It's uh, it's, hopefully we see the uh, the frustration all being kind of uh, vented in a, a positive fashion once that game gets going. And uh, we're definitely going to print up some uh, Houston Cougar football undefeated uh, through September month of September twenty twenty t-shirts. I think
2: it's true. Those were classic. Those would definitely be collector's items uh, on eBay for sure, no doubt. Before before we let you go, how can people? uh, Obviously, I know how, but how can people listen to the podcast and the podcast? And uh, how can they find out you guys on social media?
6: Yeah. So uh, anywhere that you get your podcast, you should be able to search the Scott and Holman podcast. And you kind of alluded to the spelling we spell. we got the paw pun in podcast. So it's P-A-W-D uh, podcast. Scott and Holman podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts. And uh, we are prolific uh, Twitter users. That's our main uh, social media app of choice. So on uh, Twitter, it is at S-H podcast. And again, with the uh, the spelling on podcast there. So we are uh Avid Twitter users. We uh, we tweet with pretty much, uh, I think, fans of every school in the conference and a lot around the country. So we always love talking to new people on there. So uh, be sure to give us a follow.
2: Absolutely. All right. Thanks for coming on with us tonight. And uh, again, hopefully we can uh, talk to you the next time we talk to you guys. Uh, We'll talk about a football game with Houston.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Definitely looking forward to uh, remembering that football games are actual things. (laughs) Hey
2: Dustin one thing I did want to mention
1: very quickly I know Sam uh, is now in Vegas Uh, Have you been to Vegas Uh, if so how many times and um, tell us how things are out there If you have been uh, have you had the chance to check out the new Raiders stadium Uh,
6: So I haven't been out there recently I actually grew up in Southern California for the first about 20 years of my life So I made uh, several trips into Vegas um, just because it's not that far, ever. it's just kind of one of those things that everybody does. I don't, I don't know why. My, we I, we would do family trips, even though we didn't go to shows or no one gambled. I'm not sure why we uh, spent time in Vegas, but it's just one of those things you go to see, uh, to see the sights or whatever. So, I, don't, I have a very uh, kind of childhood recollection of uh, just going through and seeing the lights, and uh, so I I, I, I can't I uh, can't I'm not the best guide probably for someone going there as an adult right now. We, you'd have to it uh, would be a good one to talk to about that one, but definitely looking forward to getting out there soon once uh, traveling is uh, is a thing again and uh, hopefully. Uh, learn a little bit more about the city.
2: All right. All right. Thanks, Dustin. Appreciate you, man, very much. And uh, look forward to talking to you all again very soon.
6: All right. Take care, y'all.
2: Yeah. Uh, have you guys been to Las Vegas, either one of you? I have not. Uh, I, um,
3: I'm i actually made for that city and have not been out there yet. But uh, Wow. I thought some, you had, Kyle. Well, at some point I will go to Vegas. And uh, Vegas will never be the same.
2: It's like the a, a sports objective version of the hangover. The guy we could go together. Kyle gets lost. <laughs> we got to find oh, Kyle. I want me the one lost, baby. I'll be home. <laughs> I'd, be home. City. I'd be home. I'd be home. I'd be home. It is fantastic. I've been there two times, and it's a, a lot of fun. And it's, I'm due to go back, and uh, I've got a trip to Vegas whenever you guys want to go. All right, deep pockets, Dave. Let's do it. I I seriously do. Hey Kyle, do you
1: think we find Dave's mattress uh, thrown out the window, or or not not out the window, but off the roof?
2: <laughs> right. Hey, we'll have a we'll have a uh, the suite like there at Caesars, and uh, we'll have a tiger in there.
3: <laughs> All right.
2: Jungle cat. <laughs> yeah, one thing that we can do, guys, that I would love to do with you guys if we go is definitely to go to the sportsbook and and gamble on some of these games. Do you want to do our picks right now?
3: Ah, good segue, Dave. i um, very, very radio-esque of you. Uh you. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Bubba. Let's go.
1: Fixed. I got you. Yeah. Stop, stop. <laughs> we'll start start things off. Um, a game that's taking place um, a couple hours south of me down in Columbia, South Carolina. We talked to uh, Bob Kessling uh, and Jay Sunhalter and I did yesterday afternoon while you guys are still finishing up work. Um, and had an excellent conversation with him um, about – um, the number 16 balls taking on the Gamecocks. They are about a three and a half point favorite. Uh, um, taking a look at this one, um, I will definitely go with Tennessee. Um, South Carolina's had its issues on offense. Um, I can't imagine that the current circumstances, everything that programs are going through with the coronavirus and so forth, have made um, the implementation of Mike Bobo's offense. Um, any any easier. Um, so give me the Vols, and I, I definitely like them to cover that three and a half.
3: Yeah, um, I don't really know that the – Mike Bobo doesn't run some kind of exotic offense. I, I don't know that it's going to be a problem True. getting it uh, implement, implemented, but I'm with you. Give, give me Tennessee to beat the Gamecocks, and uh, I think they'll cover, but I do I do expect a competitive ball game. But uh, give me the Vols to cover, and I uh, get the Vic.
2: Definitely Tennessee all the way. I'm going to try to keep it, uh, keep it short. I will go with the balls. And uh, just for clarification, we, we are picking
1: these games straight up. I know we'll mention the spread, but this is just a, simply a straight up pick. Um, game two on sticking there in the SEC. Kentucky has really improved in recent years. On Coach Stoops has done an excellent job there. And they are taking on Auburn tomorrow. Um, and I'm double checking. I'm pretty sure that game is down on the plains.
3: Yeah, it is. It's in Auburn. High um, noon. Yeah, Bubba, what's your pick?
1: Um, I, I will um, go with the Auburn Tigers.
3: Yeah. Um, for some reason, I almost want to say upset in this game, I, and then there's yeah. no particular reason why. Uh, that's just a hunch, but I'm I'm on, I'm gonna take Auburn. Uh, but I expect Kentucky to give them a ball game.
2: Yeah, I agree, Kyle. I, I do think it'll be a
1: competitive game.
2: It's funny you said that, Kyle. I was thinking about this morning when I heard uh, the different matchups. And um, nervously, I'll pick Auburn. Um, I think Auburn has more talent than Auburn. But like you guys said, Kentucky's been so good. And you, and another thing is the reason why I'm nervous is the very fact that it's going to be the first game of the year. Anything can happen. So, uh, But I will go with Auburn.
1: Next up in the Big 12, um, you have West Virginia traveling to Stillwater to take on an Oklahoma state team that did not look very good in its season opening victory against Tulsa. Tulsa had every chance to, uh, still one in Stillwater, uh, no pun intended, but, um, they, they, uh, shot themselves in the foot, uh, several times to say the least. And, um, Mike Gundy and crew were able to escape, um, maybe more so than uh, earn a victory. But we'll see how um, how they play tomorrow against uh, Neil Brown and the uh, Mountaineers. Uh, I will, in um, this one, I, I think I'm going, I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to take West Virginia.
3: Yeah, and it sounds like we're just picking the same stuff over and over again. And if we are, we probably shouldn't. Based on last week's picks, we were all terrible. Uh, yeah, but I. Uh, I'm kind of with you. Um, you know it's probably the dumb pick to take West Virginia in the upset based on what we know about the two teams but based on what we've seen, West Virginia looks way better than all than Oklahoma State. Now what you what you think you know versus what you've seen, maybe you should go with what you think you know because sometimes you know I know Gundy at times it's held back and then uh, had more than what he was showing. But uh, I'm going to go by what I've seen, and I'm going to take West Virginia in the upset.
2: I'm the last one to go. It's like a copycat. But uh, I thought that last week that uh, – I'll tell you guys, I thought last week that Oklahoma State would score way more than 16 points. And um, I know that not knocking our friends in Tulsa, but uh, I thought that they – play. They I think it's one thing you talked about last week, Kyle, on our uh, rewind show that we had was the very fact of, Uh, all the teams in the offensively and the big 12 have played really bad. Um, But I, I would say that West Virginia, even though their opponent is not Tulsa, uh, they looked really dominant and uh, I'm going to go with uh, West Virginia.
1: That re that rewind show um, that Dave's referring to is the college football playback. And um, that will be um, on Sunday morning as we'll take a look back at week four. Um, Moving on um, in The ACC, you have Georgia Tech, who uh, fell by four touchdowns, uh, like we were discussing earlier with Jeff Allen, uh, to the UCF Knights last weekend after knocking off FSU in the opener. They are traveling up to the Carrier Dome to take on the Orange. um, The Orange is 0-2 after road losses at North Carolina, 31-6. And then um, uh, a similar – Lost, but much more competitive. Uh, um, and I say similar in, in that they sh- still didn't uh, do a whole lot offensively, I don't think, against Pittsburgh, but they were competitive. Uh, so they're 0-2, uh, looking looking uh, to get a victory. I, I, I will uh, take Georgia Tech to win, um, but I think, I'm trying to remember, I want to say Georgia Tech's about a 7.5 or 8-point favorite in this one. Um, I, I do uh, think I would take Syracuse in the points.
3: You're taking Georgia Tech to win the game. Um, but, but
1: yes, yeah, I'm taking Georgia Tech to win the game.
3: Yeah, I don't know what the over-under in this game is, but it probably should be 20. Um, going to be a <laughs> low, Boring.
2: <laughs> uh, I,
3: I think it could go either way. I'm shocked. Syracuse is an eight-point dog in this game. Um, I almost want to take Syracuse. Uh, uh, is in the Carrier Dome. I don't know if they're allowed any fans, but what a weird environment to play a, to play a game in with no fans. That would be Cavernous Dome. Um, I'm going to take Georgia Tech begrudgingly. I got a feeling I'm making the wrong pick, but I'm going to take Georgia Tech.
2: All right, I'll be different this time. I'll take Syracuse because I'm tired of it. <laughs> Somebody's got to be right. So I'll take Syracuse. I'll take the Orange. All right. Up next, um, sticking in the ACC, uh, we're
1: going to go to um, down the road to Hines Field where Louisville will be taking on the Pitt Panthers. Louisville's looking to bounce back from their loss to De'Eric King and the Miami Hurricanes last week, last weekend at Cardinal Stadium. Uh, so, um, in this one, uh, I, with the game being in Pittsburgh, even though we're, we're dealing with what we are in terms of a, an atmosphere standpoint, I, I mean, give me a Pitt to win a close one.
3: You know what? I, I'm on, I'm gonna go with the Cards for a second straight week. Uh, if they don't get it done this week, I ain't picking them the rest of the year. Uh, But but give me Louisville to go on the road and beat Pitt in a close ball game.
2: Yeah, this is one of the uh, – I knew we were going to have this as one of our games, so I was uh, debating. This is one that's a 50-50 game for me, guys. Um, uh, Okay, I'll go Audible right now. I'll go Louisville. Uh, I'm trying to pick one of the two. I can make cases for both, and we're trying to wrap up the show, so I'll go Louisville. All
1: right. Next up – um. Once again, in the ACC, NC State um, playing its second game of the year. Uh, won a thriller last week, 45-42. I called over, it. I got over the right for uh, Diamond Dave, uh, Deep Pockets Dave, any of those, um, he got that one correct. And um, NC State, I know, Kyle, you were extremely impressed um, with Bailey Hockman and that offense, um, very up-tempo, and uh, you're big on their coordinator, uh, Tim Beck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and you, you can talk more about that in a moment if you, if you'd like, but um, um them going to take on a Virginia tech team is battling some COVID issues, maybe shorthanded at Lane stadium. Um, surprisingly open is an 11 point favorite. Uh, now it's down to seven or seven and a half, but uh, to be honest, I, Uh, I I never would have thought I'd do this, and I'll do it at at the risk of uh, my co-host telling me that NC State's my new favorite team. But uh, I will say the the Wolfpack uh, pull off the mild upset tomorrow at Lane Stadium.
3: Yeah, Bubba, I I was impressed with NC State last week, and uh, I think NC State's got their best coaching staff um, overall with Tim Beck and Ruffin McNeil uh, that they've had in a long time. Um, Really like their offense. very impressed with their running game, uh, passing game, looked good, too. Um, I, uh, I, they've played a game, played at a high level. Uh, Virginia Tech's had a lot of COVID issues. They still have guys out, you know, uh, that haven't been practicing. Um, I do think Virginia Tech's got the potential to have a very good defense, put a brand-new defense coordinator. Um, I, I, I'm like you. I'm going to take NC State in the upset. And um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see another shootout and uh, Virginia Tech has a habit of playing a lot of overtime games, so uh, just a heads up on that.
1: Dave, very quickly, before you make your pick, something else of note in this matchup, like Kyle and I talked about with the play-by-play voice of the Hokies this afternoon in an interview, which you can uh, watch by going on to uh, our Facebook page or our YouTube channel, like you are right now. Um, we had that 15-minute conversation with John Laser, and uh, one of the things that and we talked about with him was the new defense coordinator for the Hokies has been bud Foster forever and you, you had that new coordinator taking over and uh, so that's another another thing to take into consideration when um, you're um, playing through your head uh, what you think is going to take place tomorrow in blacksburg
2: yeah I'm going uh and I know pirate fans probably think that uh, I hope that I love NC state but i uh, I'm definitely going NC state on this one I think that NC State will win it. I just uh, – I think that uh, Dave Doran last year, he has a tendency whenever he has a bad year, he's going to bounce back. And um, so I, I think it's a question of – I know they'll go to a bowl. Uh, it's a question of which bowl they'll go to. And um, I think they were dealing with uh, – I know people use it as an excuse a lot, but they did have a lot of injuries last year. Um, and I think that they will – I think they will go on the road and uh, beat the Hokies. I really do.
3: Yeah, and and I don't think Tim Beck's going to be there
2: long. that's a that's another uh, that's another uh, show for sure. He definitely uh, shows a lot of promise as a coordinator. Next up,
1: um, we are going to the American, and we talked to Andrew um uh, second up tonight, um, and he's going to be headed up to Hattiesburg tomorrow as the Green Wave are doing battle with the Golden Eagles. Usm zero and uh, two look. Pretty good though at times against La Tech, um, but they were unable to hold a 17-point lead in the second half, and uh, so uh, I think Tulane uh, will do a pretty good job of bouncing back in this one. Uh, I do think it will be a competitive game, but give me the Green Wave,
3: man. Um, I want to take Southern Miss. I really do. I, I look at the matchup in this, and I, I like Tulane's D line against Southern Miss's O line. I like Tulane's ability to run the football. Uh, if Southern Miss's run defense has struggled. Um, Tulane's quarterback has struggled mightily early.
1: Uh, <sighs> hmm. Which makes what you're saying about the their ability to potentially run
3: the football against Southern Miss yeah. uh, all the more important. Stack the box, USM. Stack the box and make him beat you throwing the ball. Um, I'm going to take the green wave, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the wrong pick.
2: I'm going, uh, I'm going to surprise everybody. I'm going Southern Miss. Um, I think that I like the, it, like we talked about, the energy of the coach. Um, it's, at, it's at Southern Miss. I, I like what Willie Fritz has been doing at Tulane. I don't know. I just have one of those feelings that normally I would go with Tulane this week, guys. I just have a funny feeling about Southern Miss. I just find it hard that they'll be, even though I know they've done it before, winless season, I, I just find it hard to believe that they'll uh, lose another week. Yeah, like you're saying, Dave, uh, Coach Walden there at Southern
1: Miss, uh, he's very entertaining to watch on the sidelines. And um, we'll be interesting to see how the Golden Eagles fare throughout the remainder of the season and whether they can uh, or whether he can uh, have the interim tag removed. Uh, but but moving on, uh, next up, uh, Liberty went on the road and got a big win at Western Kentucky. Um, so this week they're welcoming Butch Davis and FIU uh, to Williams Stadium uh, there in Lynchburg. Uh, So, um, in this one, I I think it'll be another
3: competitive contest, but give me the flames. Yeah, I know nothing about FIU. I I don't even know if they played yet this year. Um, I know Butch Davis had them playing pretty good football at times last year, uh, they upset Miami. Um, I'm gonna to have to take liberty because I've watched them play, and I have not seen anything of FIU. Uh, FIU may win the football game; they may be a good team. Bush Davis certainly is a good recruiter, uh, but just because I haven't seen FIU, uh, I have to take liberty by default. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, for me, for me, I'm going definitely. Uh, I'm yeah, I feel like a copycat with you, Kyle. Um, I'm just not, I don't, like you said about Butch Davis, I, I like Liberty and, um, I'm going to go with the flames. Uh, I think that, uh, people may think I'm crazy, but if uh, we hadn't gotten Mike Houston, I would have loved to have gotten, um, Hugh Freeze. I think is a great coach and I think he would be a heck of a recruiter and, um, went a lot of games for East Carolina. Obviously we don't have to worry about it, that. We have a great coach we have, but, uh, like Hugh Freeze and, um, I'll, I'll go with the flames.
3: I don't think anybody's going to think he's crazy. I think most people think Keith Reeves
2: is a great coach. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying with the off-the-field issues, uh, I, I don't – I mean, you know, but otherwise, uh, yeah, I mean, his recruiting is tremendous. And uh, I think that the, you want to look at – I know they have a lot of private money. You want to look at Liberty. I mean, they're not uh, – if you if uh, you look at basketball different sports, they're putting – I mean, it's unbelievable. It's almost like like uh, their own country. How much money is as far as infrastructure and everything, the facilities. And I know they have, I know it's a private school, and I get all that. But man, they've got a lot of money.
3: Those evangelical Christians tend to be pretty good at taking people's money, Dave.
2: <laughs> so the pass the plate, right? Um, but uh, but Heal. anyway, there uh,
3: you go.
2: I heard what you said. <laughs>
3: hey <Heal>, Dave. Heal. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Bubba, what do you think?
1: I picked the Flames. Um, but um, next up, we have Iowa State. and The Cyclones two weeks ago were taken down in their only game up to this point 31 uh, 14 by Louisiana. And so uh, and tomorrow they're, they're taking on the TCU Horn Frogs. This game is in Fort Worth. Um, th- this will be TCU's first ball game. As they had a game with SMU uh, postponed due to to uh, positive tests and contact tracing and uh, all the COVID nineteen Im- impact, uh, but give me, I think Iowa State will probably look more like Iowa State um, was expected to look offensively, but um, with it with it being in Fort Worth, even though it's their first game. Um, Give me, give me the, the horn frogs. Give me—I think the horn frogs will maybe find a way to uh, take down the cyclones uh, and Brock Purdy.
3: What's the line of that game, Bob?
1: Just one moment. This is uh, extremely close. It is Iowa State by two and a half.
3: Okay. Um, man, I don't know. That one's tough. Uh, that's real tough. Um, was not impressed with Iowa State against Louisiana at all. Uh, they have some potential to be really good. Uh, TCU always a, uh, a good physical football team under Gary Patterson. I'm gonna take Iowa State. I think um, I'll say they bounced back and won a
2: close one against the Horn Frogs. Yeah, I, I think they played bad, but I agree. Oh, uh, they're they're due and they're gonna they're gonna win uh, tomorrow. And
1: the final game uh, that we're picking this week, um, we're back to the ACC. And uh, this is one um, that we threw in there late because um, I'm trying to remember what was it, the uh, – was it the Georgia State-Charlotte game that we had in the contest – or not contest, but in the in the Pick'em. And uh, obviously that game was one of, uh, I guess, six or seven games this week that was either canceled or postponed. Um, but the UVA-Duke game, uh, Duke's traveling up to Charlottesville um, – Duke has not looked particularly good. They they looked okay in the opener up at Notre Dame against a very talented uh, Notre Dame team. But last week, um, we don't know yet uh, exactly how good Boston College is. First-year coach, and they went into Durham and won 26-6. to uh, Give me um, – I, I like what Bronco Mendenhall has going on in Charlottesville. Uh, give me the Cavs.
3: Who's first game? Um, they're going to struggle early. Uh, but they'll get it going by the fourth quarter. Uh, give me Virginia in a close game, uh, just because they haven't played yet. Uh, otherwise, I think they beat Duke handily. But give me, uh, give me the Cavs in a
2: close game. Well, I, uh, I don't see Duke going zero three. Um, I know it's on the road. Um, I, I like the Bryce kid uh, from Clemson, the transfer. Um, I, I don't know why they didn't play good in, against Boston huh?
3: Dave's favorite team.
2: Um, I really feel like that they – I don't think Virginia is – they're a good team, but I don't think it's uh, playing Clemson, so I'm going to go with the Blue Devils. I'm going to go with them on close close game in Charlottesville. All right. And if you guys
1: would like to uh, carry on for a moment, I'm uh, trying to communicate with our uh, last guest, Andrew Spivey of Gator Country, um, seeing if he's going to be able to join
3: us or not. Yeah, and uh, some interesting news as Bubba's trying to connect us with our last guest. A couple interesting things to talk about. One, uh, Georgia State, East Carolina, Georgia State having to cancel their game with Charlotte. Will the Pirates and the uh, Panthers be able to play next weekend? Hopefully that decision will be made sooner rather than later. And the reason I say that is because the Thundering Herd is open next weekend. Marshall open next weekend. If we can't play Georgia State and the announcement is made, I would say, by Monday, I, I don't know for a fact if that's too late, I, I, I know when Memphis canceled with UTSA, they scheduled middle Tennessee to for tonight. The decision was made on Saturday and it was scheduled for tonight. Um, so, uh, if Georgia state is sure, they're not going to be able to play us next weekend. Um, we need to get Marshall on the line and see if we can get it worked out where the hurdle being Greenville next weekend. If Georgia state thinks that they're going to be able to, uh, to go, um, you know, I think it's going to depend on contact tracing and how comfortable they feel Dave. Um, If they have 10 or 12 guys in quarantine, but it's spread out throughout the team and they think they want to go ahead and play, then we can do it. Uh, If they don't want to or don't feel they have a chance to be competitive and and won't play, we need to make that call early so we can try to get Marshall and Greenville. Um, And I'll segue from that. And If you want to comment on that, Dave, if not, I'll segue from that. Um, You have anything you want to say about that?
2: Yeah, I think you were spot on. It was funny that I read your mind. I had I, I remembered that Marshall, that thing, and then it just dawned on me. And then it was funny. We had a group text today and both Bubba and I were like that very thing. So I thought that was funny. Um, Yeah, I mean, Marshall, that's an important game. It's not like it's just any random game. And if, uh, you know, Marshall's a really good football team. So I, I know that we're December 5th is a a date that may be pushed back like we talked about with the conference championships, but what if it's not? And um, that would be a shame if we don't play the, the, that game on the 50th anniversary of the plane crash. And the good news is John Gilbert and Mike Hamrick both want to play that game. So I have a feeling that if there was any way possible, they can make it work next week, then they would definitely do it.
3: Yeah. I got a feeling that he was on the phone with uh, Gilbert as soon as uh, he heard that Georgia state canceled their game with Charlotte and look, Hey, we may be playing Georgia State next weekend, and if that's the case, then great. I hope it is, to be honest with you. But if not, then I hope it's canceled in enough time that maybe we can get Marshall in here if it's feasible. Um, I, you know, logistically, I, you know, we got we'd have to have staff in the stands and all that, et cetera. Hopefully, uh, a contingency plan can be put in place tomorrow just in case uh, we don't play Georgia State. But um, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Georgia Southern. Played a game against Campbell with 32 players out or 33, whatever it was. And lo and behold, the Campbell Campbells are having the same thing happen to them again. I guess when you see Campbell on your schedule, you think you can beat them with half a team. Uh, The Appalachian State Mountaineers uh, announced on Twitter this afternoon that they have rough 18 to 21 players out due to COVID and contact tracing. And they're going to go ahead with their game against Campbell this weekend. So uh, another shot for the Camels to knock out a Sunbelt team with a limited roster. So uh, very interesting that App State decided to go ahead with the game. Uh, Georgia Southern made that decision and uh, with even more players out and barely beat Campbell. And you would think Appalachian State would be able to do the same, but uh, it does make it more interesting. And it's also interesting that these teams are choosing to play with multiple players out based on the quality of the opponent.
2: No question about it. And uh, that game, I'll never forget watching that game. That was one of the best games on that Saturday a couple weeks ago. Was it 27-26? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Something like that, I believe. And um, I was just like, uh, Mike Minard has done a great job with that program. But, uh, I mean, I didn't know what I was, what I didn't know, I didn't know the backstory of those players being out. So no, like, I well, Yeah. I was like, wow, no offense to Campbell fans, but I was like, Wow, Georgia Southern with the program they have, they're they're if they're playing Campbell like this, they're really struggling. I had no idea about the players being out, so oh that God. is a big deal.
3: Yeah, and now App State's going to do the same thing. Around twenty players out, and uh, the Camels roll into uh, the Rock this weekend. It'll be interesting to see. I fully expect uh, App to still win that ball game, but it'll be interesting to see if Campbell's able to be competitive with them uh, because of uh, being down a few players. Um, I guess we're still waiting on Bubba to see if. Uh, yes, I'm still waiting on the response.
1: In the meantime, uh, in addition to those issues that you already talked about, uh, what are some other games this weekend that stand out? Uh, obviously, this is a four-touchdown spread, but last year uh, you had Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley go into uh, Manhattan and uh, come up short against the Wildcats. Um, K-State obviously Lost to Arkansas State and its only game up to this point. Uh, so you had number three Oklahoma hosting hosting them tomorrow at at noon, and that one is uh, televised on Fox.
3: Yeah, um, I, I think I go home. I'll take care of business. Uh, there's a few interesting ones in the SEC, like Florida and Ole Miss. Um, I guess Alabama. Who do they open with? Missouri. Who do they? Who does Bama open with?
1: Yes, uh, Al- Alabama plays Missouri. Yeah, and. Um, and And that that game uh, is in Columbia, uh, and that one's a seven o'clock kickoff
3: on ESPN. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see the SEC get into action tomorrow and uh, see what the uh, the supposed best conference in football looks like. LSU, uh, Ole Miss, a little baptism under fire there for Lane Kiffin Uh, taking on y'all, and. Obviously, uh, coach, uh, coach Ogeron does not like Ole Miss.
2: Well, you know what? The uh, and be careful with uh, they
3: are, they are or is it Mississippi State to LSU, Bubba? Is yeah, again? Florida, it's Mississippi State and LSU. You yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah,
2: Florida Gators,
1: Florida, Florida is going to Oxford, and then uh, Mississippi State and going down
3: to take on uh, LSU, as you say. Mike Leach, baptism under fire, uh, taking on coach Ed Ogeron. Uh, Two, two, uh, two interesting personalities in that ball game, and you created a nice segue for me, Kyle, because that was going to be the next game that I brought up. Uh, I'm really
1: looking forward to seeing that one, three thirty, I believe it's on CBS, um, and re- really interested to see how KJ Costello and and company uh, operate that air aid offense, uh, particularly under these circumstances uh, against a a team the caliber of LSU. Um, but this is a new year. Um, Will be, I think the spread's about 16 or 16 and a half. It opened at 18 and a half. So so, um, the betting public uh, is expecting uh, the Bulldogs to go down there and be at least semi competitive.
3: Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I think there's going to be some growing teams with that uh, air raid offense at all uh, in Starkville, Mississippi State. Um, I like LSU to take care of business and win convincingly. Yeah. Yeah, um, Go ahead, Dave.
2: Yeah, the LSU game, I mean, I know that uh, one thing is for sure, it's like everybody's making like such a big, and it is a big deal about the depleted roster, you know, like a lot of the guys, but I think Coach O is on to something there. And and I think that, uh, I think there's a lot of talking heads that are um, making too much of a big deal uh, out of that, like losing. There's a lot of great players still on that team. And uh, I'm not saying they're going to win the national championship like last year, but. It's not like they're a god awful team this year. It's not like from one extreme to the other. No, no, and I don't. I mean, I, I don't. I haven't listened to a lot of national pundits here lately,
3: but if they're thinking that, that that's really surprising to me. But uh, you know, uh, we'll find out Saturday.
2: Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong because we haven't even seen them play a game. They haven't even played a down this year. But I, I just find it hard to believe the LSU is going to go from the top of the mountain to being like, what, what do you say, hot garbage, Kyle?
3: Hot
1: garbage. Yeah. Uh, another very intriguing matchup, and I, and I say intriguing uh, not because it's going to be a upset by any means. Uh, and when I say this game, uh, you'll understand why I say that. But um, Sam Pittman, new head coach at Arkansas, he came from Georgia, and um, they are hosting the fourth ranked Georgia Bulldogs on uh, tomorrow uh, in favor, and uh, that one's uh, at excuse me again, it's at four o'clock. And it's the SEC network telecast uh, from Razorback Stadium,
3: yeah. Uh, Georgia big obviously, but uh, you got somebody off of uh, Coach Clowney's staff, so uh, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out at Arkansas. Arkansas seems to change uh, coaches about like I change underwear. <laughs> Is that so
1: what you said? Someone off of who's staff? Georgia's head coach, Clowney. i was just, i was just messing with you. Yeah, <laughs>
3: Kirby's Kirby smart. No, Davy, it's not, it's not, it's not that kid that played in South Carolina. David, yeah, Johnny. yeah, I, <laughs> I oh.
2: missed
1: you. I missed you, Davy and Clowney, getting the Georgia job. <laughs> Let, still let,
2: let, let let let, Kyle, still playing. What's funny, What's funny is somehow he's playing in the league still and coaching at Georgia at the same I time. was pretty.
3: Why? Why? I'm just confused. Coach Smart the <laughs> yeah. What has he
2: taken his drugs today? His meds. Ah, uh, evidently I have a stroke. Um. <laughs> wow.
3: That doesn't
2: make any sense. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, good times, man. You guys are—you <laughs> guys are definitely the best.
1: As, uh, as I'm looking at uh, some of the other action tomorrow, uh, here's a score from tonight. And uh, Bubba Grant was chiming in with this earlier, um, but now it is halftime at the Alamo Dome, as UTSA is looking to move to three and zero against zero and two Middle Tennessee, and at halftime the Roadrunners lead seventeen to ten.
3: Meet me, baby. Meet meat.
2: I have a I have breaking news right now. James says he's no longer your friend because you picked uh, Tulane.
3: Ah, well, tell tell uh tell James that's all right. Shannon's still my friend. <laughs> uh,
2: he was asking who did Kyle pick Tulane versus U.S.M. Uh, uh, on uh, Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I took Tulane.
3: Uh, so uh, I did say that's probably going to end up being the wrong.
2: Don't don't forget and and who picked who picks Southern Miss?
3: Ah, uh, you you pick USM, Dave. I, I I do think I do think Southern Miss has a very good chance to win the game. I I I just went with Tulane, basing it on uh, their running game and uh and Tulane's defensive line.
2: Don't forget that, James. I picked Southern Miss
3: uh,
1: earlier. Guys, we were talking to um, Dustin uh, with him being in Austin um, about. Um, the Longhorns and Tom Herman and just what what we can expect out of them. Uh, obviously they, they played UTEP um, which doesn't give us any indication of anything, but uh, tomorrow they are traveling to Lubbock. Uh, they are a 17 and a half point favorite uh, against the red Raiders. And um, the over under in that one is 70.
3: Yeah, it does surprise me. Um, I spent a high scoring game. I, I like to take, to take care of business, uh, but, uh, Texas Tech's always going to put up some points, no matter who the head coach is. And um,
1: th- this one wasn't in our pick'em, um, but um, what do you think, Kyle, as far as um, our first guest of the night was Chad Brindle um, with Cincinnati in the in Bearcat Journal, um, the 14th-ranked Bearcats hosting the 22nd-ranked Army Black Knights um, wow. tomorrow, tomorrow at 3.30 um, at Nippert Stadium. us. Uh, so uh, how do you how do you see this one unfolding? I, I think Cincinnati will win, but uh, if I was a betting man, I, I like Army in the thirteen and a half. That that would be pretty tempting.
3: I actually like Cincinnati to cover. I think they're going to win by a couple touchdowns. Um, I, I could be wrong on that, but I, I think Army's a good football team. I just think Cincinnati matches up real well with them.
2: Yeah, I'm going. I go all the way with uh, Cincinnati. I love Luke Fickle. No offense to Coach Munkin. I think he's done an um, amazing job at West point, but I, the recruiting that that's one thing I was going to ask. and couldn't, um, which had Brindle, the recruiting for Luke fickle has been great. And you, I don't know if you guys remember, um, Mike Houston has a lot of respect for Luke fickle and what he's done and how he built the program. If you remember the, I think it was the post game, uh, after the Cincinnati game last year. And, um, he really likes coach fickle and, uh, what he's done. So, um, I'm going all the way with uh, Cincinnati.
3: Yeah. Uh, he said that's the blueprint. And uh, no, I, since he's going to take care of business, but uh, it should be a good game. Guys, uh, do we have our last guest? We're going to wrap this thing up.
2: I, I was to... say. Go ahead. Go day, ahead no, I was just going to ask you that very thing. Uh, Bubba is uh, any final thoughts <laughs> to wrap it up and get ready for uh, another exciting day of college football tomorrow.
1: Yeah, bear with me just one moment. Um, But, yeah, if we don't hear something here in the next minute or two, we will go ahead and um, definitely uh, wrap wrap this up and and call it a night and get ready for the big day that awaits us tomorrow.
2: Hey, uh, Kyle, what about the – as far as the games – what games have you intrigued to watch tomorrow? Well, I'm going to watch the East Carolina game. Well, you know that one. I know But beyond that one. I know that's obvious. Uh, Yeah.
3: Tennessee, South Carolina intrigues me. Uh, Tulane, Southern Miss. Um, I'll be anxious to see uh, how LSU does look against Mississippi State. Um, uh, Louisville versus Pitt is intriguing to me. I think that'll be a really close ball game. Um, I, I will say TCU. I think has a chance to be a really good ball game. Um, so uh,
2: those are the ones that come to mind that uh, I think will be a lot of fun to watch. That Florida game is going to be Florida Mississippi U, um Ole Miss. Like, Florida Big. Florida Big. And yeah, and um, the other one that I watch, but I know the outcome. But we were talking about De'Ara King. I really want to watch him against uh, Florida State because uh, you have no. And uh, I feel bad for. I do feel bad for the Seminole fans. I mean, they don't even have their coach. Mike Norvell won't be there. Well,
3: that's um, a rivalry game. Just keep that in mind. Um, yeah. No, no matter what. Yeah. Florida State does have some talent, and that's a rivalry game. So, uh, you know, you, you look at it on paper, and you think Miami should whip their ass, and they should. But whenever you have a rivalry game, right. you never know.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying is the uh, the very fact of the thing. And by the way, Kyle, uh, James puts up there a uh, great point. Mike Leach brings a true air raid to the SEC. Yep. And, uh, James, you know what's uh, great about that. I, um, I'm glad you said that, James, because – Um, I'm, I'm wondering, I want to ask you this, Kyle, being the football man that you are, Mm. I'm wondering with the fact that Mike Leach is in the sec, if he starts kicking some major booty, which I think eventually he will, do you see other coaches or other programs when they lose a coach, get a guy like Mike Leach to come in and do an air raid? Because uh, the reason I bring that up is if they start scoring a whole bunch of points, um, and uh, like they will. Um, yeah, yeah, they probably won't have a great defense, but if they put a video game 40, 50, 60 points uh, on a scoreboard, uh, eventually you have to adjust to that, right?
3: Well, I guess it'll be depending on how much success he has in it. I think he'll put up a lot of points, but will that equal a lot of wins? You know, it it took many years at Texas Tech and a few years at Washington State for him to go from just putting up a lot of points and pulling off upsets and getting them to bowl games to uh, competing for the Big 12 title and then the Pac 12 title in Washington State, so um, if Mississippi State fans are patient with him,
2: right? Uh, that's
3: I think I think they can can get there. Uh, to answer your question, do I think other SEC schools will look to uh, going after an air raid type coach? Possibly, It's Monkey See Monkey Do, uh, maybe somebody like Vanderbilt in particular that could use a gimmick. And I'm not I'm not saying a gimmick in a bad way. Yeah. Uh, you think the air raid offense is great. I loved it when we ran it here, even though Lincoln doesn't run a true air raid, even though people think he, think he do, thinks he does. Um, but, yeah, it's possible. Again, particularly you look at somebody like Vandy, if they see Mississippi State lighting up the scoreboard and, uh, you know, winning some games, uh, you, you definitely can see somebody else uh,
2: do it. And Lincoln Riley did OK, don't you think?
3: Yeah, but again, I don't think Lincoln runs. The no, game. I know that.
2: I know. I know. I know what you're saying. It's it's not exactly uh, th- that, but pretty uh, cool. He runs the ball a lot more than Mike Leach. Yeah, and I like. I liked. Uh, hey, I'll take Lincoln Riley back any day of the week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know he's in Oklahoma. There's no way he's going to come fine. to East Carolina. But if he could, I would I give think him the head I'm going Mike yeah. Houston. Yeah, but Lincoln is pretty badass. Yeah. No, definitely not upset with Mike Houston. I'll tell you what, I'm I'm tickled to death. Oh, one final thing I wanted to say. I didn't say in the Jeff Allen interview because uh, I was transitioning to the laptop that I want to mention. Something that you brought up uh, last week that's very important to Pirate fans as we're on the eve of our first game. Hypothetically, so don't um, understand. I, I think we have a chance to pull off the upset tomorrow. But if, if for some reason things don't go well tomorrow, don't be anti-Mike Houston. Okay. Well, that's the tough tomorrow's game. In my opinion, is the toughest game we have the whole season. Unfortunately, it's not like game four, it's game number one because of COVID. And um, I'm not making excuses for Mike Houston, but I can, knowing our fan base, I'm praying to God that they won't turn their backs on uh, the best thing that's happened to our program in a long time.
3: Yeah. Uh, people need to be realistic with their expectations. And uh, if things get out of hand tomorrow, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Now, if offense struggles, so I'll be a little concerned. But particularly yeah. on the defensive side of the ball, uh, things get out of hand. Uh, try to keep your bearings and move on to the next game, be it that Georgia State or Marshall or South Florida. Just move on.
2: Yeah, I wanted to make that point earlier and didn't, just realized I didn't. So, um, we have a lot of things that we're looking to and, and uh, certainly guys, uh, hopefully that we can be talking about a bowl game. And maybe next month we'll see where they'll approve. I think it's next month, right, that they approve that every team can go to uh, a bowl game, potentially?
3: Uh, Proposed to the NCAA, and it's coming up for approval in October, that uh, regardless of, there'll be no minimal win total. I don't know if you're going to have to have a winning record or a 500 record. That wasn't real clear, but no minimum total. Um, Not sure exactly what that means. That'll all be flushed out when the uh, NCAA makes that decision in October.
2: All right bubba any dice on our next no uh,
1: it's looking as though it's a no-go uh, i was trying to uh see if sutton young could join us very quickly i know he was right outside of uh Dowdy ficklin i know ucf uh, had had arrived there at the stadium of uh, their equipment team and uh, so i, I was going to see if sutton could join us very very briefly um uh, but um we really appreciate um uh, everything he's doing for us in terms of some graphics and then also his uh his reports there um uh, on on campus um uh, just like the the um uh, the segment is named when we when we put those two to four minute or so clips that he has um right outside of Dowdy Ficklin. I really appreciate his hard work.
3: Absolutely. Yes, we
1: he's
2: been fantastic.
3: Two hours is enough for me. I'm I'm gone. Y'all can keep talking if you want to.
2: No, we're, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks to all our guests uh, here on the Inside Slant. And obviously, you can watch these shows archived on Facebook, on our YouTube channel, and obviously on our podcast, uh, anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the Inside Slant right here on the Sports Objective. Good night. And as always, go Pirates.